All right. We have a grand time tonight. I want to help you tonight. We really need some help in an area. and God's Word is going to help us tonight. I want you to take your Bibles if you got them because I want you to see it in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And tonight, uh, I want to talk to you about the temptation of complication. The temptation of complication. There is a great temptation over this nation right now to complicate some things that should not be discomplicated. And I want you to see from Scripture, your Heavenly Father fixing to pull back the curtain and say, there's the evil one and here's what he wants to do to you. And this is one of those great truths. <clears throat> I want us to get in the nation about what's going on in our land and our churches tonight and in our hearts. Second Corinthians 11, excuse me, 11, 3. I want you to read these words. This is from, this is from Paul, the apostle. Now God's speaking through him, but he's writing to a church that he loves dearly. He can't be with them right now. And I want you to look at what he says to this church. Verse three, one verse. I fear, let me just pause a minute. Did you ever know him to be afraid of anything? This man's carved out of granite. They told him they're going to kill you. And he said, too good to be true. But he had a fear of something. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds may be corrupted from the, from the what? The simplicity, the simplicity that is in Christ. What was he afraid of? He was afraid for these people. He saw something coming and his fear was that Satan would do something to them and that he would deceive them. And the deception is what we're going to look at tonight. Now, uh, I don't know. You're familiar. We're going to look at it. Say, but you're familiar. Did Satan deceive Eve in the garden? Is anybody familiar? Did it, did it do that? All right. Did it cost her anything? What did it cost her? Everything. Her son was murdered. Her marriage was bad for a while. Then she died. She had to struggle. He deceived her and it cost her everything. Can he do the same thing to you? Why is this written to New Testament Christians? He said, as the serpent deceived Eve, I'm afraid it could happen to you. So what does that tell me? Same thing happened to me, happened to her. And uh, here, here's the question. How did he do it? Why don't you look at the word in there? Somehow he, he uh, the word corrupted is led astray. He led her astray from something. What did he lead her astray from? The simplicity. The simplicity of Jesus. The simplicity that's in Jesus. He got her. And man, I want to tell you something. I give that guy his due. He is one cunning individual. He's sharper than I am. He'll eat my lunch without this book. And he has the ability to lead people astray and destroy them. And how does he, what does he get them away from? The simplicity. Of, let me tell you something. Life's real simple, dear ones. I know we're living in a very complicated day. I see him scrunch your eyes up. I know we got arguments with big words. You let me tell you something. Jesus' life is real simple. And we're getting away from Jesus' life in our churches today. We're getting away from this book today. Listen, Jesus' life, listen, following Jesus is so simple. Here it is. You, you want the whole, you want me to go deep with you? Follow me. Follow me. That's all it is. You want to follow Jesus. You don't have to be smart. Exhibit A. You have to be able to read. And if you can't read, we got solar Bibles. The sun will read them for you. It all boils down to this. Here's the, here's the simplicity of Christ. It's the Bible. What does God's word say? That's it. That is the whole battle in this nation today. 
for the hearts and lives and minds of people, young people, church folks, unbelievers. It's all about the Bible. I want to just give you a little bit, a little word from Jesus about how simple this is. He, he said this way, Luke chapter four, verse four, man does not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Here it is. You want a great life? Learn the word of God and live by that word. It's that simple. Uh, Proverbs three, five through six said this, <clears throat> do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from me. It's just so simple. Just, just do what I tell you to do, son. Uh, Proverbs four twenty, my son, pay attention to my word. Do not let it get out of your heart, out of your eyes. It will be life to those who find it, healing to all their flesh. Listen to this one. John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to those people who believed in him, if you'll stay in my word and abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I want to stay free. I don't want to be deceived and I don't want my family blown up by this junk that's going on. Uh, the scriptures are very clear. It's just, it's just so simple. It just boils down to the Bible. All right, we want to talk about uh, the temptation to complication for a minute. We're going to pick apart the anatomy of how Satan gets in our minds. Where was Eve deceived at? What did it say? Corrupted in her what? Her mind. He got in her head. And he did a number in her head and it cost her everything she had. And what did he say to me? Now you pay attention. You be careful that this doesn't happen to you. I watched this happen over and over and over to people. I see it happen all the time. And uh, only a fool would say it can't happen to me. You're in trouble already. I want us to look at the anatomy of how he works in our heads. Turn with me to Genesis chapter two. See if this has ever happened in your head right here. You ever heard the Bible talk about the fiery darts of the evil one? Surely you don't think those are imminent arrows. They're thoughts. That's where he gets in our heads. And uh, for instance, Ananias, Acts chapter five. Ananias, why did you let Satan, this was a born again Christian and living in revival, born again Christian. Why did you let Satan put it in your mind to do that? He's got the ability to get in our heads. Well, I mean, the scripture is pretty clear on that. And uh, I, I, you're not going to stop, you're not going to stop from hearing him getting thoughts in your head, but you're going to have to defend yourself. I want you to look in the scriptures. Let, let's look at how simple this is. Genesis chapter uh, two, Genesis two. Verse 15, all right, Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Got it? Good deal going on here. Watch these words. The Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Eat all you want to, any tree in the world. They're yours. But of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day you eat of it, you will die. All right. Does that sound deep to you? Can y'all understand what he just said? Eat anything you want to on this planet. I've given it here. And he said, you can eat freely. Eat all you want to. I mean, it's fruit. Y'all can make fat. Eat all you want to. Eat freely. But what did he say? There's one tree. And it's the tree of the knowledge of evil. And he said, do not touch it. Did he say in the day you touch it, I'll kill you? No, he's not. He's trying to keep him alive. He said, in the day you touch it, you will die. And maybe that's pretty simple for y'all. I mean, even we could understand that, couldn't we? They only had one commandment. You said, if I didn't have but one, one commandment, I could keep it. Hang on a minute. They had one commandment. What was it? Don't touch that tree. And our Heavenly Father made it so clear that somebody with an IQ of room temperature could get it. Can you, are you see that? 
Watch the anatomy of how he goes to work in our heads. Chapter three, Genesis three, one. Now the serpent was more what? Does your Bible say cunning? Different Bibles say different. They say cunning or deceptive. The Bible doesn't talk about his power much. It talks about his cunning, his craftiness, his ability to hoodoo people. He was more cunning than any beast of the field. And he said to the woman, stop right there. You mean that the devil can talk to people? Did he not talk to Eve right here? All right, he can talk to us. And he said this, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? How many of you knew he knew what God had said? So he said, let me ask you a question. Did, did God say you couldn't touch that? What's the first thing he always does in your head? He puts a question mark over God's word. He's going to put a question mark over. Listen, did God make it plain? Was his word real clear? Was it ambiguous? It was crystal clear. And this enemy comes and gets in her head and says, now, now, what was this thing? What did God say? Are we sure about this? He causes her to question what God has clearly said. Number one, he'll always cause you to question what God has said. And, you, and you're not sure about what God has said. Uh, this is going on in our nation, right? A lot of Christians today are falling. A lot of big name Christians are falling away from the faith today. Yesterday, there's a Christian group called DC Talk. Uh, their, their singer, uh, his name's Kevin Max, and he's come out as an apostate and he said, I, I just don't know if the Bible's true anymore or not. He knew it for years. He preached it for years. He, he led worship services for years and all of a sudden he's quit because he's just not sure about the Bible anymore. Where'd that come from? Hath God said? He's going to get in your head and put a question mark over God's word. Number one, I always put a question mark over God's word. The second thing, watch what he says in verse five. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God and you will know good and evil. The second thing he's going to do, he's going to defy God's word in your head. That's not true. The Bible's not true. And what's the third thing he did? He's going to challenge God's goodness to you. What did he say to her? God's trying to rip you off. He's trying to keep you from having something that just be wonderful. You're going to let him do this to you. There uh, was this all, this mess, this, this, see how he's complicating everything. It was so simple. Don't do it and live. So he gets in there, he starts this mess about, is he being good to you? All this stuff. Now I want you to notice that she was tempted to partake of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Who the heck needs to eat evil? All of us. I'm telling you, he's slick. But we got somebody that's on our side, but he's given us a book to walk by and a word to live by. And he put that over now. Now here's the big appeal. Watch what he did in verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was number one, good for food, number two, pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she ate it. He appealed to three things in fallen human nature, didn't he? He appealed to her eyes. Man, that looks so good. Mm, it just looks so good. And maybe know your enemy can make stuff look so good in your head. Number two, he appealed, uh, he appealed to her appetite. Boy, I think it tastes good. Wasn't it? I'm not talking about apples here. You know what fantasizing is over getting even with somebody, sexual lust. I find me another wife. Mine don't make me. all that crap going on in the head. What's that? He's appealing to our fallen human nature. But watch the big one. What's the third thing he appealed to? It appeared to what? Make one appear wise. You will be so smart if you do this. 
He appealed to our fallen human nature, which is pride. And we've all got it. Uh, everybody struggles with this thing. And uh, the fallen human nature was just this human need and desire to impress people. He said, you, you do this right here. You will, people will think a lot of you. You'll look so smart in front of people. You'll be hip, man. You'll be chic. This is, this is a temptation by sophistication. You do this, you'll look so sophisticated. If you miss out on all this fun, you're going to look like some dumb backwards country Bible banging hick. Yes. And enjoy your life, might I add. Can you see how he worked inside her head? He put a question mark over God's word and then he started appealing to some things that are in our base human nature. And it was so simple. All she had to do was say, God said, don't do it. That's all she had to do. He didn't come in there and say, God did it. He, can't. he slowly, subtly got in there and started working in her head. That's why do not play games with this thing in your head. Don't let this mess roll around up in there. That's where they got in trouble with it. And of course, you know what happened. He appealed to human pride. This thing within us that, want, that we're so concerned about what other people think, where's it come from? Yeah. Then was, you, you need to live for an audience of one. Now listen, don't, don't say, well, I don't care what people, don't just make yourself a total jerk. We've got enough of them in the nation right now. We've got to settle this issue. The Bible said they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You just make up your mind. You go live for an audience of one. And when this thing comes in, you can look like an idiot if you do that. Just say, fine by me. I will die believing Jesus before I look like a, I look wise in their eyes. This is the great challenge. This is going on in our nation right now. You ever wonder why teenage girls make their daddies pay $85 for a pair of jeans when you can buy them for $16 at the Walmart? It says, because they fit better, isn't it? Look like they've been drugged home behind a truck by the time you get them there. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. She ate, she died, he lied. What do he tell you as a New Testament believer? I'm, I'm afraid for you that the same thing could happen to you. Lest as he deceived Eve, he could do the same thing to you. Here, here's the bottom line. God made it so simple. The enemy got in her head and complicated it and it killed her. That's temptation by complication. It, was, it could have been settled in one word. But when you let this thing play out in your head, you're headed for trouble. Don't linger on this stuff. There's a great, uh, one of the great verses in the Old Testament says, nip it in the buds in the book of Barney. We need to get back to it. All right. This great man of God, he loved these people so much. And he said, I, I, I'm afraid for you folks. I taught y'all, but I'm afraid that this mess is going to get in your head. And it's going to ruin you like it did Eve. Let me tell you, when I have my kids leave here and go off to college from our church and they go off to college, I'm a little concerned about them. Let me tell you something. An 18 year old is no match for a PhD. And, and colleges are doing a number, not all of them. Colleges are doing a number on our kids. We say, were well, you anti-intellectual? I am pro-Jesus. I am pro-Bible. Well, did you say anti-intellectual? Is that what you just said? Something about leaning not on your own understanding? That's right. Not all knowledge is divine knowledge. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And if you think my enemy is going to come out with a pitchfork and horns, he's going to make it look so slick. And he can dress it up to where your head will say, that makes sense right there. If it makes sense, run. What do you think it means? Don't lean or don't be wise in your own eyes. And he appeals to this stuff. I, uh, since I'm on knock people tonight, 
United Methodist Church will vote this summer to split over the Bible. The majority of, of Methodist churches in America are going to leave the denomination because they don't want to go by the Bible anymore. And uh, it wasn't like that a few years ago. What happened? Listen, John Wesley, when he started that group, when I was a boy, my family was Methodist and they were ardent holders. I've got a Methodist running the lights tonight. Thank you. Put a Baptist on them lights. They love this stuff. They held to the Bible. You would have been run out of town if you'd have said what leaders are saying today. They've adopted a new slogan. I don't know if you've ever seen this on their signs or whatever it says. Open hearts, open doors, open minds. There's where we got in trouble right there. You say, are you not open-minded? No. You open your mind, your brains fall out. You know what that's saying? You know what they need to change it to? You know what ours is here? Open hearts, yes. Open doors. You know why their doors are open? People are leaving so fast. Open doors. What's the third one? Open Bibles. Listen, that thing sounds so slick to have an open mind. You need an open Bible. Eve would have never got in trouble if she'd opened her Bible instead of messing in her mind with his junk. We wouldn't be in that place today. And he said, this is a great, I'm watching this happen to, I'm watching this happen to preacher friends of mine where they, right now our nation is just assailing the truth of God's word. And, and let me tell you what you do. You don't, you don't, you don't blow in there with a tank. You start chipping away at little things. Just chipping away at little things. A little bit at a time. And you can already see it coming. I think Baylor University, the Baptist College, made the decision today to make a head in the wrong direction. All right, here's a question. Whose wisdom are you going to live by? We're in a battle of two wisdoms today. A battle of two wisdoms. And let me tell you something. You're going to be a fool one way or the other. You got to just choose whose fool you want to be. John Wimber, he, had a, he was a, the vineyard leader. Uh, you know, vineyard music was real big in the 80s, 90s. Well, John was a, in a, had a group called the Righteous Brothers years ago. Anybody remember the Righteous Brothers? All, them, all us gray hairs do, you never. Well, he had the Righteous Brothers. And John, he never even heard of God except heard his name mentioned cussing at times. He knew nothing about God. And he's in Los Angeles one day and he's sitting on a street corner and, this, and he's sitting there and a guy comes walking down with a sandwich board. You know what a sandwich board is? You got a billboard on the front one the back. And the front it said, I'm a fool for Jesus. And the guy's walking down the street with that. John looked and I thought, you sure are. What fool would walk around with something like that? Said he walked by me in the back and said, whose fool are you? You're going to be somebody's fool. It's not whether you're going to be a fool or not. You get to pick your fool. Turn me to 1 Corinthians 1. I want you to see, well, 1 Corinthians 3, the battle of two wisdoms in the Bible. You're going to, be, you're going to have to choose which wisdom you're going to live by. And there's a fierce battle being waged right now. Do you not under, have we not got it yet that everything in this land is spiritual? That we are battling with principalities and powers of darkness, not ideas or ideologies, powers. And uh, I don't understand why this book reveals two gods at war and we're caught in a crossfire and why we can't see it even in our churches today. Then you'd quit beating yourself up if you realized you're not battling with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness. Do you think it's the Holy Spirit of God that gets in your head and bangs on you and tells you how sorry you are? That's not Jesus. He don't talk like that. All right, 1 Corinthians 3. Whose fool am I going to be? Whose wisdom will I live by? All right, these are some crazy words, but question, are they in the Bible? 
Read 1 Corinthians 3.18 with me. Let no one deceive himself. Time out. That's dumb. I mean, if somebody else deceives you, that's one thing. If you deceive yourself, you deserve to lose your apple pie. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, stop right there. How many of you think you're sharp? How many of you seem to be wise? How many of you power dress? How many of you got the handkerchief in your pocket right there? How many of you scrunch your face up and look sophisticated? Well, thank God none of you here tonight. You wouldn't go to my church. Read this with me. Let no one deceive. If anyone among you thinks, seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Is that crazy or what? That don't even make sense, does it? He said, listen, if your culture thinks you're sharp, you better become a fool so you can have real wisdom. Verse 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness. The wisdom of this world is foolishness. I'll just, I'll just pick one. Let me just throw it out here. You never get out of debt by borrowing money. That's foolish. So why are we doing it? We're making the most foolish decisions in this nation. Uh, you know, the, this, the, this nation has embraced the mantra, there is no God. Right. All this beauty and all this order came out of an explosion. Gotcha. I'm going to tell you, it takes more faith to believe that. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The Bible is very clear. For it is written, here's what he wrote. He catches the wise in their craftiness. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They're actually foolish. Whose fool are you going to be? You're going to be a fool for Jesus. Or you're going to be a fool with this world. Which wisdom do you want? Do you want the wisdom of God or do you want the wisdom of your culture? Can't have both. One or the other. Have you ever seen anybody that thought they were smart, but they really wasn't? You'll see something funny. We're close. Turn to Romans chapter one. Look at the prophecy of a land. Romans chapter one. This is talking about a land or a group of people who they know there's a God, but they put their fist in his face. And they put their fist in his face in the name of intellectualism. I don't want you to look what the Bible says happens to them. First Corinthians, excuse me, Romans 1, 22. Read this verse. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Bragging about how smart we are, we have actually become stupid, become foolish. And, and where's all this come from? Why, why would, what's happening to this? What's happening? As the serpent deceived Eve and got in her head and led her away from the simplicity of obeying and following Jesus, he's doing it in the land today. We simply walked off from it today in the land. All right, now let me tell you where, where we've heard the term worldly wisdom. You saw world's wisdom. I'm always watching and James talks about worldly wisdom, godly wisdom. And when I hear wisdom, when I say to people, well, this is what we ought to do. This is the way we ought to live. This is what we ought to think. I'm wondering, what's the source of your wisdom? Where'd you get that idea from? Who, why do you think like you do? What's the source of your wisdom? There's only two sources of wisdom, worldly wisdom or godly wisdom. Where's worldly wisdom come from? The Bible says it comes from four places. Number one, human intelligence and logic. Listen to me. The answers to life are not inside your head. You can't find them in your mind. Now, I'm not anti-intellectual in the sense of having a brilliant mind, but your mind needs to bend its knee to the creator first. Amen. And study to show yourself approved. And God's given you a mind and he expects you to learn with it, but he does not expect you to govern with it. That's right. We're not led of our heads, we're led of our spirits. 
and human Bible talks about human understanding. And here, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says about intellect. There is a way that appears right to a man and results destruction. Worldly wisdom comes from, this is the way I got it figured out. Number two, human emotions and feelings. It just feels right. Let me finish that for you tonight. And three years from now, you're going to wish you never met the sucker. Can I get a witness? Listen, one of the dumbest things you can do is live out of your emotions. Your emotions are, emotions are wonderful. I got some, believe it or not. Emotions are wonderful. If they govern your life, you, you need to go ahead and call 911 now. You cannot go by how you feel. Number two, number two is human emotion. Number three, public popular opinion. I'm telling what the Bible said about opinion. This is Romans chapter 12. Let God be true and every man a liar. It, 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 it doesn't matter. Listen, what's popular is not always wise. What's popular is not always wisdom. And we're learning the hard way. Of course, that comes from media. I don't care which, any media you want, entertainment industry media. Uh, our entertainers today are very excited about having, they call it a platform. And what they want to do is they want to address the values of the nation from their platform. Well, when Lady Gaga is not depressed, which is very seldom nowadays, she's got no business telling you how to live. And just because you can crone don't mean you can tell somebody how to live. And we're letting, we're letting entertainers shape the direction of a nation. It should not be happening. That's called worldly wisdom. My goodness, I can't been divorced six times. Are you going to tell me how to live? Good gosh. Number four is religion. There is a wisdom in religion today that's not out of this book. Anything that, that churches or preachers push that doesn't line up with this book is worldly wisdom. I don't care if you put a clerical collar on it. Uh, you don't need to stand up in a bathrobe or anything else to impress people. Take the Bible. Jesus said this in Mark chapter seven, when they asked Jesus, how come you don't follow the church? He said, you hypocrites, how come you set aside the word of God to keep your religious traditions? I'm telling you, churches have walked away from the Bible today because it, I don't know if they want to fit in. I don't know if they want to appeal to the culture. I don't know if it makes sense, but I'm going to tell you something. Thus saith the Lord. We need to stick with the simplicity of it is written. I had to get inside people's heads. Now I want to ask you a question. Um, do you believe that Satan would even try to get inside Jesus' head? Luke chapter four, we won't look at it. The Bible said that Satan led Jesus into the temptation, into the wilderness to be tempted. And listen to what it says. He was tempted in all points as we are. Did Jesus see the devil? No. Have you ever seen him? He was tempted like I was. He didn't hear a voice out here. How'd he do it? He got in his head. And the devil said to Jesus, I want you to listen to this temptation. See if you don't hear this temptation once in a while. The Bible said that Satan took him and showed him all the kingdoms of this world a moment of time. He showed him rock and roll. He showed him making money. He showed him business kingdoms, educational. He showed him everything this world's got to offer in a moment of time. And he said to him, it can all be yours. I'll give you this right here. You just worship me. Has that ever happened to you? You ever had something look so good out there and boy, you just, man. Did Jesus say, let's talk this thing over, devil. He didn't waste any time at all. He said, it is written. 
You worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You get behind me, ugly one. He did the same thing to Jesus. How did Jesus handle it? The simplicity of God's word. He just said, God's word says, I'm going to worship him alone, period. We have got to get back to the simplicity of life with God's word. Just saying whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. Period, end of discussion. Uh, Let me throw this in. Life is good based on the way you deal with the Bible. Turn with me to Revelation chapter three. Somebody asked me, said that we were talking about churches that are dying and groups that are dying today and others that are being blessed. And he said, the craziest thing is churches that are moving away from the Bible, trying to accommodate what everybody thinks they're dying. And you dumb backwards, hick fundamentalists to keep beating your Bibles, you're growing. Wonder who's behind that. Listen, dear ones, it is so simple. God deals with you the way you deal with the Bible. He deals with you the way you deal with the Bible. Saved or lost. Let's read it. Revelation chapter three. Guess what you get in the book of Revelation? It's where God shows you stuff. It's where you get a revelation. Revelation chapter three. All right, let's put it in verse seven. Revelation three, seven. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia. These things says he who is holy. He who is what? 65% of millennials today say there's no truth. There's no such thing as truth. It's called uh, relativism or subjective truth. That, you know, what's true for me not, might not be true for you. There is a truth, a truth. You see, you're narrow-minded. Listen to me. Either this man's right or he's a liar. And you gotta, your life is banked on whether you know one of the two like that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. This Bible says that God is true and that he is truth he who has the key of David, watch these words. He opens and nobody shuts. He shuts and nobody opens. Who you want on your side? What does that say? What's the revelation? If God opens a door for your family and blesses your family and blesses your marriage and blesses your life, all the devils in hell can't stop it. What he opens, nobody can shut. But you may make an announcement. What he closes, good luck, dude. Let's see you build what he closes. Not going to happen. Now watch these words right here. And here's the goodness of God for you. This is for everybody in this room, everybody. He said this, I know your works. I have set before you an open door and nobody can shut it. How would you like for God to put opportunities in front of you? Your home, your family, your work, your life, your opportunity. He's listen, I'll make a way for you and nobody can stop it. You need to quit being nervous about what's going on in this land. He opens and nobody shuts. I mean, line every devil in hell up. You're going to overcome the great almighty. But now watch this. Watch this. We're not done. What's the next word? He opens and no one shuts. I've set before you an open door. No one can shut it for. What's the word for mean? Because you did something. You have a little strength. Watch this. And have kept my word. God sets opportunities in front of you the way you deal with his word. The way you deal with his word dictates how he deals with you. Uh, since I'm picking on churches tonight, I'll take you right down the line. I'll show you the timeline. Every denomination in this nation that started turning away from God's word, putting a question mark over God's word, it wasn't long before their churches began to shut down and die. Guess what? You don't honor my word, I'll shut the door on your church. Listen to me. He deals with us the way. We... Keep it simple, Sam. Keep it simple. Thus saith the Lord. Don't make this complicated. Don't get deep with me. Don't scrunch your face up. I'm not impressed. 
I don't need Dr. Smell fungus. I'll call my grandma. Are you with me? This is so simple. We got away from the word and we got in trouble here. God's wisdom is the Bible. Very simple. God's wisdom is the Bible. He revealed it in there. Now, all right, now let's deal with the big issue. And this is facing, especially over the younger folks today. How can I know the Bible's true? I'm sitting with a friend of mine one time. He mentored me when I was a brand new believer. And after a few years, we're sitting there one day. He said, what are we going to do if we get to the end of our lives and we find out that two guys named Fred and Jack sat under a tree and wrote this book a few years ago? What are we going to do then? How do you know the Bible's true? He said, well, you told me. Oh, you got to have better than that. Amen. And there's only one way to know the Bible's true. And if you don't know it this way, listen to me. If you don't know it this way, he's going to get you someday. There's only one way to know this Bible's true. You can't have learned it in a school. You can't have heard a preacher say it. The Spirit of God's got to show it to you in your heart. What's that called? That's called revelation. It's when God reveals to your heart. Try to talk me out of Jesus being real. I wouldn't even answer you back. You cannot unsee what you've seen. You ask me how I know he lives. I went to school and learned it. No, he lives within my heart. There was your, ask, ask me, try to talk me out of this Bible being the eternal word of life for every issue on the planet. Forget it, doc. You said, well, you're stubborn. Well, yeah, that too, but that's not it. The Holy Spirit of God has shown me this stuff. He's got to show it to you in your heart. If you don't get it in your heart, Ken Helzer's son has a school called the 18 inch journey, 18 inch. When you get it from your head down into your heart, when what you've been taught in Sunday school, the spirit of God lights your heart up over. Then if all you got, it's in your head. He's going to get you one day. Got to get it down in your heart. So it can't be taken away from you. It's called only by revelation. Revelation is the only way. Let me show you how, and I'm going to say this. Our churches in America, we're, we're goofy, right? We've made a great mistake. We're trying to do with education what only the Holy Spirit can do with revelation. You can't talk life into a man or woman. God's got to touch their hearts. God's Spirit's got to come. Turn with me to Matthew 16. I don't know what in the world we missed about this, missed about this passage. I'm going to help you with your family that's struggling here too on this. Matthew 16. All right. These guys have been following Jesus for almost three years now. They're, they're thinking he might be God. They know he's a prophet. They've watched him raise the dead. They've watched him heal the sick. They've watched him walk on water for crying out loud. Who'd that help? He was just being God. Somebody asked me once, why did he walk on water? Well, he came down off that mountain. It was 21 miles to Capernaum around. It was three miles across. He just took a shortcut. He just walked on the water over there. Had him stop by and help him in the boat there on the way. But they're sitting in a campfire one night. They're all wondering about this guy. See, they've watched him work miracles, but they're still wondering, who is this? And here's the night where he settles it for them in Matthew 16. Uh, Matthew 16, 15. He's at, well, let's back up. Jesus, verse 13. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea. He said to the people, who do men say that I am? He said, what, what are people saying about me? And they answered him. They said, well, some folks think you're Elijah. They think you're a prophet. Uh, you know, some are saying that you're a Jeremiah. And then he asked verse 15. He asked the question he's going to ask every one of you. What do you say about me? Who do you say? Listen, the most important question in your life is who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? Here's Simon's answer, verse 16. Simon answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Sounded pretty confident, didn't he? He said, I know for a fact you are God walking on the earth in a man's body. Who told Simon that? Read the next verse. He said, blessed are you, Simon, 
flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. What does it mean flesh and blood? Nobody taught you this. My father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. God put it in his heart to know it. God touched his heart so he could know it. That's called revelation. Now, education is when I put something in your head or when we get something in our head. Revelation is when the spirit of God comes and makes it real to us at heart level. And he said, Simon, you're a blessed man. You didn't learn this in church. God has put this in your heart. God spoke to you. You've had a faith revelation at heart level. Why don't you read the next verse? On this rock, I will build my church. Why are we trying to build with education what can only be built with revelation? Why are we trying to convince people intellectually when all we need is for the Spirit of God to speak to their hearts? And Jesus builds by touching people's hearts, speaking to their hearts in the Holy Spirit. And there's only one way to know that. I want you to turn, let's look a little bit more at this. Acts chapter 16. We've gotten so far away from this in our churches today. Acts chapter 16, my buddy Paul is going to preach. And uh, I mean, it's okay. It's good to tell people about Jesus. We want people to know about Jesus. But let me ask you a question. Do you really need to explain it well so they can understand it? I don't think so. I've heard people just had the most polished presentation and they spoke so well. I don't care how good you speak. If God don't touch them, they're not going to get it. But I don't care how boogered it up you do it. If God's speaking through you, they'll see it. Look at this. Acts chapter 16. Watch this truth. Verse 17. Acts 16, 17. I know where I want to be. Acts 16. I know where I want to be. Okay, here we go. Acts 16, 14. A certain woman named Lydia, they, they were preaching to God. They went down to the river to preach. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to listen to the things spoken by Paul. She became, I think she became the pastor of the Philippian church. Don't tell my pastor friend, Baptist pastor friends that. Anyway, she became the first convert in Asia. Guess why? Paul told her about Jesus, but why did she believe it? God touched her heart. God opened her heart. She couldn't have believed it. I've talked to people before and I didn't do a very good job of talking to them about Jesus and tears came up in their eyes and they said, I love him. That's who I want right there. That wasn't me talking to them. And I've had other people, I presented the most polished intellectual argument and they just went, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Fancy it up all you want to. If God don't open the eyes of their heart, they're not going to see it. Because God's got to show you things in the spirit. Uh, if he don't show it to you, the enemy will easily pluck it out of your head. We've got to get over this intellectual stuff. I'm not anti-intellectual. We've got to get over this intellectual stuff. Listen to Romans 10, 10. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. We've got to get spirit revelation in our hearts. All right, these guys were disciples. They were redneck fishermen. They were rough guys. Why were they willing to risk their lives to follow this man, Jesus? Why did they commit themselves to this crazy jackleg preacher who didn't even have a license? They, it wasn't just information. What happened? Let me give you the verse of why they followed this man so passionately. Luke 24, 45. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures he put it in their hearts. They saw something with their hearts that they were willing to die for. We got to get back to the Holy Spirit in our churches and him showing for us. Now, let me tell you something. If you want wisdom and you want a great life, listen, wisdom is life. Great life comes from making great decisions. Wisdom is not knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the ability to make great decisions. I saw one of the cutest things. I'm at, at uh, Moorhead City sitting there at the Redfish Grill. The little girl's waiting on her. She was a college student. And I got to talking to her. I just love them guys. She was just neat as she could be. And she came over to do something. And I noticed she had a tattoo on her finger right there. And I said, let me see that. 
She came over and on, tattooed on her finger, right there on the edge of her finger, was the Hebrew word selah, S-E-L-A-H. And I said, why do you have that tattooed on your finger there? She said, you know what it means? I said, yeah, I know what it means. Stop and think about it. You know, in the, in the Psalms, you have, it'll say a Psalm that'll say, Selah, stop and think about this. I said, why'd you tattoo that right there? She said, I know going off to college, I'd be tempted to do some dumb things. So I wanted the word of God tattooed on my finger. So any, before I started to do something dumb, I would stop and think about it. It would remind me right there. I said, you pretty smart cookie right there, sunshine. And then we talked about things she was wanting to get into. I just love them guys. <clears throat> I think... I want to hear my mama's voice for the rest of my life. When I start to look in the wrong direction, that's one of them sea laws. You better stop and think about this. Let me tell you the greatest prayer you can ever pray. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I have friends that have PhDs in the Bible and their life is a train wreck and they're running from God because they got it up here, but they ain't got it down here. I want you to look at one of the greatest, this is the greatest prayer you'll ever pray for yourself. It's in Ephesians chapter one. I pray this prayer every day of my life and you need to pray this prayer. You need to pray this prayer right here. If this happens to you, no devil in hell can shake you off anything. No, nobody can shake you. No argument can shake you. But this has got to happen. In Ephesians 1, this is where he talks about the Father has loved you. He's ordained you. He chose you as a son or a daughter before you were ever born. He's loved you. And now look at the prayer that he prays for these people. Now he's prayed for his other church. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm afraid that what happened to you is going to happen to you, that he's going to get in your head and screw things up. And you're going to get away from the simplicity of Jesus. And look at the prayer he prays for this church. And you pray this for yourself. Ephesians 1. 16, 15. Therefore, after I heard of your faith in Jesus, your love for the people, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What's he praying for? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding enlightened. He said, I'm praying for you that God's spirit will come on you and you will have wisdom and the Holy Ghost will come. See the word understanding is the Greek word cardia. We get our word cardiac care or heart from it. He said, I want the eyes of your heart. He said, I want the spirit of God to come into your heart and you see it with your heart. This is the greatest prayer you'll ever pray for yourself. Psalm 109, uh, excuse me, Psalm 119, 18 says this, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things out of your word. Let me see this. Now, let me, let me show you how this works. Dear ones, you got a friend and he's blind. There's everything in the kingdom of God is invisible. It's blind. You can't intellectually explain it. It don't make sense. So you got a friend that's blind. You're driving on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Sunset. You pull over the overpass and the most beautiful sunset. I mean, the sky's on fire. And you got, you got your blind friend and you want to tell him what that sunset looks like. Good luck. Try it. You say, well, um, God, you say, man, the sunset is so beautiful. It's just beautiful. And he goes, well, what? explain it. And you say, well, uh, it's orange. And he says, what's orange? He never seen orange in his life. And you say, well, um, it's, it's like a half a ball. Well, he knows that because he can feel a ball. He said, okay, so I got a half a ball. Hey, yeah, forget it. There's only one way for that man to see the beauty of that sunset. His eyes have to be opened. 
You can forget trying to explain the beauty of Jesus to somebody that doesn't have spiritual understanding. You can forget it. The Spirit of God's got to open their eyes and the heart and show them the beauty of Christ and the beauty of following Him. Unless the Spirit of God comes on them, they'll just, they look at you. Do you understand that people that don't know Jesus look at us like we're a bunch of nuts? What's this mess? You followed down there, some guy had a beard and a sandal, been dead 2,000 years, and you're giving him your money? What's wrong with you? <laughs> it don't make a lick of sense until you see him. And then once you've seen him, you can't unsee him and you can't see nothing else. That's why we got to get, I'm not against education. I'm not against teaching. I'm a teacher, but we got to get back to the Holy Ghost showing people things. Revelation with the education. We've got to have the eyes of our hearts open. Let me give you an example. And this is for your friends. I want you to pray for your friends. Some of you struggling with kids and things like that. Once in a while, my kids, of course, my kids are grown now. They got a little cockeyed. They got around certain universities. They got a little cockeyed whatnot. I didn't sit down and say, now nah, you're just dumb for thinking that. How dumb is that? I never opened my mouth. I'd just smile, but I'd go out in the woods and I would pray, Father, I praise you and thank you that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ rests on my children. Thank you that all my children will be taught of the Lord. The eyes of their hearts will be opened. They will see the beauty of Christ and his truth will permeate their souls. And you know, every time that happened, it wouldn't, I never say a word, just go out and pray. The eyes of their hearts, they'd come back around and they'd say, Daddy, that was the dumbest thing, wasn't it? And I'd just say, matter of fact, I cannot speak light into them. Only the Spirit of God can bring light. Let me give you one of the craziest examples I ever saw. Years ago, I had a lady who went to my church and uh, she had a brother who was a priest in the Mormon church. And the Mormon church is not a Christian church. In the Mormon church, you know, Mormon Tabernacle, uh, Brigham Young, all that. He was a priest in the Mormon church and she said, I have talked to him and talked to him and he just don't get it. You trying to explain a sunset to a blind man. He, I said, quit talking to him. I said, let me tell you what to do. I said, take this book I'm going to give you, a book called The God Makers. And it was a book written by a Mormon who had come out of it. And he just talked about the deception. I said, give it to him. She said, he won't read it. I said, I know that. I said, give it to him, but he'll be nice and he'll take it. Even though he won't read it, it'll be in his house. And you just give it to him. And you start praying Ephesians 1, 16, 18 over him. And you pray the Spirit of God come on him and open his eyes. Him and his wife both, open their eyes. You just pray. And I said, don't talk to him. Just smile, laugh, be a sister. And you make a pretty good sister, but you ain't much of a Holy Ghost. Let me help you, some of you folks. You might make a good mama, but you ain't much of a Holy Ghost. We have got to get back to trusting in God and depending on the Holy Spirit instead of our own ability. And uh, I said, just put it in the house, pray for it and pray every day for him. Two years later, two years later, early warning, she got a call from him. He said, uh, I went to bed early last night. He said, my wife stayed up and she was sitting there. He said, about 11 o'clock, she looked over in that bookcase and she picked that book up you gave her. And she read that book for three hours, read it all the way through at two o'clock in the morning. She woke up and she said, we've been deceived. She said, sit up and read this book. I read it till five o'clock this morning. She said, I was, he told her, I've been deceived. He said, I've accepted Jesus as my savior. I renounced this stuff and I'm gonna follow him. What happened there? What happened there? She didn't talk it into him. The spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus opened the eyes of his heart. Well, she couldn't talk into him. God had no trouble at all when he started talking. That's why we've got to begin to pray. Lord, open my eyes. Uh, we sing an old song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And I want to see you high and lifted up. Yeah. Let me tell you, let me tell you what the, you ever heard the Holy Spirit? 
What's his job? John 16, when he has come, he will glorify me. We say, I think Jesus is a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good prophet. He wasn't no better than Buddha. Well, you ain't never seen him. The Spirit of God's not come to you yet. Because the Spirit of God comes to you, he will be glorified in your heart. And he'll be everything to you. And that's why the Bible says that we've got to follow him. All right, now listen to me. Remember, remember, if people don't follow Jesus, they're not dumb. They're very smart. The world's most, arguably the world's smartest man died year before last. The world's most intellectual men, the great neurophysicist. And he said this, I've searched the universe over with all my equipment. There is no God. How come he couldn't find God? Yeah. You don't get no smarter than that man. You say, I, I, Brother Brian, you're getting to make me nervous here. The world's smartest neurophysicist couldn't find God. And you telling me a hick truck driver in Hall River can find him. Let me show it to you. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to let you go. Matthew chapter 11. How can some backwards redneck hick find him if the world's smartest man can't find him? It's real simple. This is one of the craziest verses in the Bible, but these are the words of Jesus. Was, either you see him or you don't. Yeah. Either you have revelation of the word of God or you don't. Either it's all life and truth to you or it's the dumbest thing you ever heard. But it's by the Spirit. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. Watch these words right here. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, but you have revealed them to babes. Who does God hide truth from? Who does it say? The, the, the creek would read like this, the wise and prudent in their own eyes. If you think you're smart, you're sophisticated, and you're a great intellect, you've got it all figured out, God will hide from you. Does a babe mean 18 months and under? <laughs> Humble. But those that humble themselves and say, I, I want to know you. I want to know if you're real. You will reveal yourself to them. I'm telling you, it's not education. It's revelation. And uh, all right, I'm going to finish by showing you one more verse and making one last statement. If you're going to live in the great kingdom of God, you have to be willing to do something. You have to quit being so smart. Amen. I'm sorry. You, 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 have to, you have to become real simple. You say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Come with me. I want you to turn with me to the last verse, Matthew chapter 18. We're close right there. If you don't have to become simple-minded and simple to fall, walk in the kingdom of God, what's this verse mean right here? Matthew 18. I love, now, this is my verse right here. Matthew 18, 3. And, uh, well, let's just go back to verse 1, 18, 1. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who's great in the kingdom of God? Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst. He got a little child, puts a little child on his lap, maybe a five-year-old. And he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted. Now listen, converted doesn't mean saved. It means changed. Unless you're changed and become as little children, you can't live in the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus say? Unless you become childlike, humble, simple, you can't live in the kingdom of heaven. If you're going to trust your big head instead of just trusting God's word like a child would a father, you can't walk with him. I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm, I'm, my thing is storytelling. I love, my children was young, I'd make up these stories and we just had them. I just love to tell stories and I'd gather them, we'd tell these whopper stories. And uh, I got busted one day where our, our kids were sitting around, I'm telling this story. Me and my cousin Stacy, we'd been down to Pageland to pick up a hog 
and we was in the truck, had hog planks on it. We come in, we stopped right there in the square in Pageland and the tailgate broke and that hog jumped out. And he run down the main street in Pageland there and it so happened a lady opened the door on the Belk's department store and he run inside the Belk's department store and me and Stacy was right behind him. We chased him and he's running all through the stores. He run through the women's lingerie section and got a brazier on his head and he's running around scaring all the women having, I'm just growing this thing as we go. I'm having a black, they're sitting there going. <laughs> I felt this thing, this presence. I look back, my wife's leaning on the door there. She's got this look on her face. She's an unbeliever. <laughs> See, these little children, they're believing what I'm telling them. They think this stuff is real. And I, it, the more they go, the bigger I'll make it. <laughs> they're like little kids. They just believe what daddy says. Old Miss Intellect standing over here though. She's a skeptic and a doubter and an unbeliever. She's rolling her eyes. I said, you can't, you can't stay in the kingdom of the storeroom. Go wash some dishes or something. You can't walk with me. Listen to what Jesus said. Unless you can humble yourself, childlike, you can't walk with the man. Got to humble yourself like a little child and say, I don't care if it makes sense or not. He said it. I believe what my daddy says. I'm going to quote it again. I, I'm nervous. I'm fearful for you. Lest as the serpent got in Eve's head and messed her up and took her away from the simplicity of Jesus. He could do the same thing to you. I'm going to go out of here believing the Bible, nothing but the Bible, whatever it says. I'll die on this hill right here. Listen, you, you say, well, I think preachers should wear a robe. Fine, I'll put one on if you'll tie. That doesn't matter to me. It makes no difference to me. Pink chairs, I don't care. You can do anything you want to, but I'll die on this hill right here. Because the word of God is our life. This is not an idle word for you, Moses. This is your life right here. And, uh, I just, I, I, once in a while, bless their dear hearts. I do have to have meetings with preachers and man, they're dignified. They're polished. They got cufflinks on. I mean, they uppity. Little handkerchiefs in their pockets over there. They know big words. I know big words too. Daytona. I know some big words. <laughs> and bless the heart. They feel so sorry for me. Just ignorant backwards. And it's almost like bless his dear heart. Just humor him, humor him. I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the best time in the kingdom of God, fire blessed out of me. And I'm going to stick with this book right here. Listen to me, stick with this book. Keep it simple and you will live. When the, when the father says right there, you stick with that thing. All right. I don't want to lose anybody else out of my church because something gets in their head and wraps them around the axles and they get away from this book. You know how many people, I've been here almost 20 years and it'll be 20 years next February. Do you know how many people sit in these pews right here? cheered, loved God, sang, and they're in a complete mess today. Guess where, every, guess where it all started? Somebody got in their head and said, did God really say that? Is that really what the Bible says? And it went all the way downhill from there. All right, we're going to pray over this thing. I want us to pray. I'm going to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you. I, I give you all the praise and glory for your goodness. You're everything. You, you're so good. You're the father who opened heaven's doors to be good to us. But it's all hinged on one thing attend to my word. Son, attend to my word. Daughter, attend to my word. It's life if you'll find it. It's healing. Oh, you set open doors in front of people and nobody, nobody can stop what you do for us because you have kept my word. Father, we're going to be gracious. We're going to be good to people. I'm a, I love to talk to people. I, don't, I talk to college 
professors and little, I'm, I'm going to be good to everybody. I'm going to smile with them. I'm not going to be argumentative and hateful. But I know this, your word is life to those who find it and healing to their flesh and nothing can change that. As we're watching this great deception come across our land, our nation, even our churches now and people and just the foolish wisdom that has embraced this nation. I pray for my friends right here. I pray for every one of them, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. I, I can't talk it into them, Jesus, but your spirit comes and they'll go. You ask me how I know he lives. I've heard him with my heart. That man's in my heart. I got him right here. Now, Father, I want to pray for folks tonight that have loved ones that are just upside down. It's a great grievance to a parent's heart or a friend's heart or a brother or sister's heart when people are just all messed up, and snared. I pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of self-pity and self-doubt would be banished and hope and faith and love would come. And they would say, if there's a God in heaven, his spirit can change their hearts. How many people, Father, like Saul, who just hated you, one confrontation with you on the road to Damascus, and he became a flaming evangelist. Nobody talked to him. You talked to him. And we turn our children over to you. We turn our families over to you. We turn everything over to you. We believe in the name of Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. I praise you, the eyes of their hearts will be opened. They will see the beauty of Jesus and they'll do what everybody else did. They will fall at his feet and worship him. I praise you that all our children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of our children. Thank you, Father. When the battle for those great truths comes, I thank you. The enemy may cajole and he may put a question mark over it, but he will never erase. He will never put a period where you've put a period. Thank you that your word is settled and I give you the praise and glory. Thank you that, Lord Jesus, I don't have to keep these folks in line. I turned them over to you a long time ago. I thank you that he who is faithful will finish what he started in you. He is faithful to keep you till the day of Christ Jesus. I trust you for that. Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to get out here on a plank. I declare I will not lose another church member to the deception of my enemy. Not one more teenager, nobody will be deceived anymore. I praise you that your spirit will hold them. Thank you for your goodness and grace. We love you, praise you, and bless you. Strong name of Jesus, we pray, amen.